0: Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning grateful to be in your house. Grateful to be in this thin place. This place of prayer, worship, to your glory and honor. We come to lift our eyes up For you are the source of all things. Abba, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Now, Spirit, please just open our hearts and minds feeble man from here, let the Spirit just speak in move. Lord, we're so grateful. We are so grateful. The blessings are many, but we know them not. Heavenly Father, thank you. Be seated for now. Um, it's always fun when you get to that portion of worship and transition. And I could never open this thing the right direction. Um, it's always upside down. Um, you ever find it difficult to sit in the presence when you've been worshiping and when you've been praying and when you've been rejoicing? In the name of the Father, this stand is not going to hold my Bible. That ain't going to work. It's not, all right. it's, sometimes it's hard to sit down when they say, let's be seated. Because we just, the Spirit's got you filled up. The Spirit's got you just rejoicing. And it's, sometimes it's a little hard to sit. But get comfy for a minute because God is good. I tell you, God is good all the time. So uh, yesterday, we had decided to have a family day at the zoo. And we uh, loaded up early because we travel about two hours from our house to the North Carolina Zoo. And uh, we're on the road, and I get this text message that the Green family's sick, and we're praying for Darren and Rosalie to recover quickly. And, and Darren was supposed to preach this morning. And uh, he said, I, I hate to drop it on you last minute, but uh, would, you, would you mind filling in? And uh, yeah, of course, immediately I was like, of course. You know, the, the scripture tells us we're to be ready in season and out of season. So I knew the Lord would provide because he always has and he always will. And he did. <laughs> and he did in such a miraculous way. Um, I, I I've been so grateful to experience the last 24 hours uh, with the Lord and in the Spirit. And yes, my kids did, go, did go to the zoo. I didn't turn around. We went ahead and went to the zoo and had our, had our day. Um, my son even got to ride the lion carousel. He was, he was all excited. He was the conqueror. Um, I guess he felt, felt more like his namesake Alexander there. He was, he was going to ride in and be victorious. But we, uh, alas, we are not here to talk about how much fun Obadiah had at the zoo. <laughs> We're here to speak about the Word of God. Uh, we have been in a series called A Psalm for All Seasons, um, doing Psalms 1, Psalms 23, Psalms 78. We've had songs of joy and jubilation. We've seen songs of challenge Songs of, uh, Psalms of history. We have, we, we, last Sunday, Pastor Bill brought us the Shepherd's Psalm, the one that, that teaches us how to acknowledge God's provision and how to acknowledge who God is. Today, we are going to delve into Psalms 122, and we're going to bounce around into Psalms 120, 121, and 127 as well. Um, our discussion today is about a, th- uh, a concept—a thin place. Now, some of you may be familiar with it; others not. The concept of a thin place was encapsulated very well in a movie called *War Room*. I don't know if any of you saw it or not, but it's the idea of a place that has become sanctified through prayer. And through spiritual warfare and the reading of Scripture, it's a place as our, where there is just a, 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 a knowing knowledge of closeness with God, where you walk into it and you know this is a place to come and worship. This is a hallowed place. This is a place to be in the presence of the Almighty. Now, the term a thin place uh, is in, comes from our Celtic brethren and they believed, as you'll see here in the notes, they believed that there were places in the world where the distance between heaven and earth collapsed, and it was easier to experience God and experience his presence there. Now, I will acknowledge the elephant in the room. Some of that belief is steeped in some of their pagan traditions that they they came up with in the Celts. However, we know this to be true in the Christian world. There was a reason why Daniel prayed five times a day through an open window towards Jerusalem while he was in captivity. He was praying towards the holy mountain. He was praying towards his temple, his holy place, where he knew that God had given his people hope. God had given them instruction. Where they were told in Exodus to return, Three times a year. What? Where does it say that in Exodus? Well, let's go there. Exodus 23, verse 14 through 17. Celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Habib because you came out of Egypt in that month. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also, observe the festival of the harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field. And observe the festival of the end gathering at the end of the year. When you gather your produce from the field, three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord. Now, when this when this commandment was given in Exodus, the tribes were assembled together there. They received this all at the same time. Israel received this as a unit. They received this instruction all together. seemed like it seemed like a decent commandment, right? Like, all right, come back here together. Like, let's have, let's let's bring honor to the Lord. You know, I'll, I'm sure some of them looked at it like, hey, it'd be a great time to get the family together. We'll get all, you know, no matter how big it gets, no matter how extended it gets, we'll all get together. We will unite ourselves here at the foot of the mountain or at the altar of God, and we will offer back to God. Here's the thing. Those of you that know your biblical history or your human history will know that Israel wasn't always obedient, and God permitted them to be enslaved and removed from their homes numerous times. Some of them were disobedient and left of their own accord. And yet, those who were obedient to the law for over a thousand years and still to this day, men of, men of the faith observe this. They travel back home. They travel back to the mountain. They travel back to the site of the temple. There are more prayers offered at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem probably than one could argue on any other single spot on the face of this planet. So what does this have to do with a psalm? Well, you see there's a cluster of psalms. In the middle of the psalms, it's Psalm 115 uh, to 134, yeah, that's that are ascension psalms. And these psalms are literally a collection of the songs that they would sing as they walked up the mountains, as they climbed the hills leading to Jerusalem, leading to the temple. Because you see, Jerusalem and the temple are built atop a mountain. It's 27,000 feet in the air. That's the altitude where Jerusalem sits. That's where the temple sat. They didn't have iPods, they didn't have boomboxes, walkmans. Those carried cassettes, by the way, for those of you that are a little younger. <laughs> so what they did was is they had songs they would sing as a collective. And then the priests would would chant them that were escorting them. And there would be these songs of lament, these songs of remembrance. These psalms that were glorifying God and speaking to the blessing that they would receive when they got to where they could see the Savior. Well, see the temple <laughs> that eventually will be replaced by the Savior. But these, So these psalms, t- they would sing these all the way up to the top of Mount Zion. And all the way up the hill, they would have these moments Of remembrance. It's okay, baby. I know it's a long trip. They didn't even have bottles all the time. Sometimes they had to grab the goat and grab a sack and here's some milk. No formula. So they would sing these Psalms of Ascent. So this morning we're gonna talk about one of those songs of ascent. We're gonna delve into some of the others. And before I get to 122, I want to focus in here for a moment on Psalms 120, verses 6 and 7, because this is the end of Psalms 120, and it's a very interesting way to conclude a psalm where they've been describing where they're coming from, and they're describing they've stayed too long in Mesh and Kedar and easy way to say it is they've stayed too long in Palestine. That might feel a little familiar to us here in the U.S. when we speak about Memorial Day. Maybe we stayed too long in Palestine. I have dwelt too long with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. My first point this morning that I'd like to make is that when I'm in trouble, I need to go to the thin place. (sighs) Because, like the song said, and we'll read some of that psalm here in a moment, we raise our eyes up, we lift a prayer for security. Because we're seeking the Lord's favor. We're seeking to have him bless us. And Psalms 127 is very interesting because there's, in Psalms 127, which is also one of these songs, we have a song of ascent that's really cool because it's all about the blessings of the Lord. And it lists great things that, about the blessings. But one of the most popular portions of Psalms 127 Is that sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward, like arrows in hand of a warrior, are the sons born in his one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gates. This morning as we gather here in this thin place in this church in this house of worship we do so because as a nation very much like Israel we have been blessed by God with a full quiver we've been been blessed by sons and daughters who have stepped up and met the enemies at the gates now I know some of you may be shocked a little bit by my delivery this morning because normally I'm a little more bouncy, energetic. It's hard to keep me contained, a lot more like flubber. But um, this morning, I, I think there's something here we really need to, to grasp hold of, that our men and women who rise up and fill that quiver, who, who come to the enemies at the gates and they say, no, you will not enter this place They're the ones that are defending our thin places. They're defending our houses of worship. Whether they mean to or not, they approach the battlefield in love because they do so either for their own homes or for their towns or just for the brother standing next to them. They're the young men and women who say, we'll meet the enemy at the gate so our people don't have to. So, as we climb the mountain this morning, and forgive me for making this drudging analogy and and being so somber in my presentation, but I think this is a somber subject as we're standing here on Memorial Weekend. Is the fact that we need to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that amidst our obedience and amidst our coming into our houses of worship and being able to worship so glorious and have a worship team that leads us and having a place where we can come and we can say, Abba, Father, thank you, Father. We need to stop and say, just like they did, just like, just like in the Psalms, it's recorded as they're walking up the mountain to the temple, they're saying, man, it's great that we had a full quiver to bring honor and to secure us And that full quiver came from the Lord. And so this morning, Brother Ray, if you will come, we're going to take a moment and I'm going to read a list of the casualty reports from every single American conflict. And I'd like y'all to stand, please, out of honor to these men and women who served at the enemy's gate. In the Revolutionary American War, the American troops that died, the estimates range from 25,000 all the way up to 180,000. The reason we don't have an accurate record is because we didn't have a big army. We had young men that stepped up. They didn't fill out a roster. They just went and met the enemy at the gate. In the Northwest Indian War, we lost 1,056 American enlisted men. In the War of 1812, we lost more than 20,000 American soldiers. In the First Seminole War, we lost 36 American soldiers. In the Black Hawk War, we lost 305 American soldiers. In the Second Seminole War, we lost 1,535 American soldiers. In the Mexican-American War, we lost 13,283 American soldiers. In the Third Seminole War, we lost 26 American soldiers. In the American Civil War, and now estimates vary on this as well, we lost more than 600 and 25,000 American soldiers. In the Indian Wars, we lost 919 American soldiers. In the Great Sioux War, we lost 314 American soldiers. In the Spanish-American War, we lost more than 2,400 American soldiers. In the Philippine-American War, we lost 4,196 American soldiers. In the Boxer Rebellion, we lost 131 American soldiers. In the Mexican Revolution, we lost more than 35 American soldiers. In the Haiti occupation, we lost 148 American soldiers. In the First World War, we lost 116,516 American soldiers. In the North Russia campaign, we lost 424 American soldiers. In the Serbian campaign of 1918 to 1920, we lost 328 American soldiers. In the Nicaraguan occupation, we lost 48 American soldiers. In World War II, again an estimate, we lost 405,000 American soldiers. In the Korean War, we lost 36,516 American soldiers. In the Vietnam War, we lost 58,209 American soldiers. In the El Salvador Civil War, we lost 37 American soldiers. In Beirut, we lost 266 American soldiers. In Grenada, we lost 19 American soldiers. In Panama, we lost 40 American soldiers. In the Persian Gulf, between 1990 and 1991, we lost 258 American soldiers. In Operation Provide Comfort, we lost 19 American soldiers. In the Somalian Intervention, we lost 43 American soldiers. In Bosnia, we lost 12 American soldiers. In the NATO Air air Comp of uh, Yugoslavia, we lost 20 American soldiers. In Operation Enduring Freedom, We lost 2,356 American soldiers. In Operation Iraqi Freedom, we lost 4,489 American soldiers. I, li- I end this list here because I could not find a consistent report on the current conflicts that we are involved in all around the world where our men and women are meeting the enemy at the gate. And so we just say to the unknown soldier, thank you. These are all estimates or the best record we can keep. These are the arrows from our quiver as a nation that met the enemy at the gate. Please bow your heads for a moment of silence. Let's thank our God for the blessing of our young men and women. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. You may be seated. So much like Israel, as we come into our houses of worship, as we come to our thin places to thank our God for his provision. remember to thank him for those if you grabbed a copy of our notes this morning you'll find that exact same list included so tomorrow as you're having your Monday off maybe you can take another moment of silence and read through it and just remember what the holiday is about so we continue marching on like I said the first point was here when I'm in trouble I need to go to my thin place I need to leave those places where when I speak of peace, they want nothing but war. My second point is once you've been in a thin place, you know where a thin place is. In Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, I lift my eyes towards the mountains where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Quite literally, that I lift my eyes phrase when you translate it from the original language. It means I raise a prayer for security. It's not just I'm looking up at the mountains. It's not, oh, look how pretty the Blue Ridge Parkway is or look how beautiful Monument Valley is as you're out west or look how beautiful the Rockies are. No, It's I raise my eyes, I raise a prayer to the God above. As they're walking here, remember this is a psalm of ascension. As they're walking, they're saying, look at the temple. Because that's where I'm going to meet God. It's they're saying, look, I'm going to meet God. I'm going to speak with him and rejoice in him. That's an awesome thing. Third point, location matters. Why does a location matter? All right, when you want coffee, where are you going for your coffee? Starbucks, local coffee house. Makes sense, right? You want a cheeseburger? Don't go to Pizza Hut. You want to pray and worship God, you can do that anywhere thanks to Jesus Christ. But if you want to do some prayer warring, fighting, battling, come to the church. Come where you can meet other believers and you can be united so that where two or you or more are gathered, God can be in the midst of it and there can be victory. Psalms 122 starting in verse 1. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city should be, solidly united, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. My question today, church, is are we solidly united? Are we built as we should be? Are we coming together and saying, come, let us go into the house of the Lord and let us offer thanks in the name of the Lord? Because I promise you one thing, if you come into the house of the, uh, the, house of the worship and you say, thank goodness, because Robert Clark said so, it's gonna fall flat on the ground. Thank goodness, because Bill Knight said so, it's going to fall flat on the ground. And I know the rest of the men, if I could list them off, all the preachers that have stood in this pulpit, if you say thank goodness in their name, it's going to fall flat on the ground, because there is no other name by which we can be saved that we can claim victory and healing in than the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let us be firmly united. Let us be built as a city should be built. Location matters. Location matters. Now, while our cafe staff does a great job of providing good coffee in the morning, enjoy it. Take it as a blessing, but don't come here just for the coffee. Come to be united in strength. Number four, together matters the very next verse says, this is an ordinance to Israel. There thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. And then it goes on to tell you how to pray. It says, may those who love you be secure. May their peace be within your walls, security within your fortress. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, May peace be in you. A lot of times people say, well, why does America always stand with Jerusalem? Some would argue we're in a pro- post-Christian era here in America. They forget their history, that without Jerusalem and the people of Israel, well, this country would not exist that's a history lesson for another day. What we do need to acknowledge is that to be a part of this blessing, what does the scripture say? May those who love you be secure. May their peace be within your walls, security within your fortress. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Now the psalmist here is they're singing this. They're ascending towards the temple to come before God in obedience during one of these three festivals. So they're saying this, may peace be in you to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the house, housing place of their thin place. Now this is about Jerusalem. It's not about the United States. Or is it? You see, when Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, Yahweh incarnate, came to earth, that awesome act of love where he set aside eternity for a moment to become a man, And then he lived perfectly for 33 years. Most of us can't even do it for 33 minutes. But he did it for 33 years. And in that time, he had a ministry. And he had people that he demonstrated love to. We have a record of it. If you don't know the record, please pick up a Bible one day. He then went willingly to a sinner's cross that he did not deserve. In obedience. And he died. At the gate. In the face of the enemy. What was the enemy doing? Laughing, mocking. Gambling, cussing, throwing it in his face. Just, ha 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 ha! I got you finally. Some God you are. But he met the enemy at the gate. That gate's called death. He died for all mankind. How do we know that? He didn't stay dead. That's how we know that. We know that because when he came back, he said, go and tell the world a way has been made. That includes the United States of America. Jesus Christ died for freedom, defeating the enemy once and for all, for all mankind, including the United States of America, that would not exist for more than a millennia and a half. So in the American conflict versus sin, one casualty that mattered. But he's not a casualty. He's a victor because he didn't stay dead. He's the one person who went to battle on behalf of of all mankind met the enemy at the gate, allowed the enemy to slay him, and then rose victoriously from a grave. So when these verses speak about a peace, they are using the word shalom. Do you know what shalom means? really means. Shalom means a complete well-being inside you. Completion, a complete well-being inside you. And when these verses speak about the security that they wish and they speak and they're praying for Jerusalem, they're speaking shalom, which means a security, around you. So as we come to this thin place and in the blessings of this scripture, we seek a completion of well-being. And through love and the reception of victory through Jesus Christ, we experience the shawah, the security around us the complete well-being inside us, and the security around us. And that 122nd Psalm ends with because of the house of the Lord of God, I will pursue your prosperity. Speaking of Jerusalem. Now as a people of faith, as a people redeemed under the cross, By that sacrifice, (laughs) that empty cross. It's empty, y'all. Don't leave our Savior on that cross. Because a Savior, a man hanging on a cross. is the enemy laughing. Our guilt and sin left on the cross and a risen savior is the enemy defeated. So we come into this thin place acknowledging the fact that America has the potential be blessed as Israel. Not because of who we are, not because of what our laws say, not because of who our leaders are, but because of who our Savior is. That same Savior that offers that same hope of freedom to all mankind. You see, because that's the principle of America. When we say America was founded on the principles of the Judeo-Christian ethic, it's the principle of freedom. It's not that our legal system or our constitution is holy. It's that freedom and love Are an ethic worth striving toward. It's that a savior died to provide the only pathway to true freedom. Some of those men writing those documents chose to acknowledge that. Here on Memorial Day weekend, what we choose to do is honor the children, because that's what they are. They're the sons of our youth that meet the NEA at the gate, that stood up and said, I love my home, I love my church, and I love my God, and I love my country, I love freedom so much. Now, I'm not here to offer, argue the merits of every war and conflict we've been a part of. Please don't misunderstand me but what I'm saying is we are blessed as a nation to have men and women that do defend us and those that died doing so need to be remembered but more than any other that we should remember this memorial day is the one that established freedom mankind never knew freedom before Jesus Christ It didn't, it didn't understand the concept. At least, you know, 950 years after its creation, because once Adam died, he was the only one that knew true freedom. So the second Adam came, because he had to, to establish freedom. That's what the scripture, when it talks about freedom from the law, it's not that the law wasn't good. It's the fact that the law just shows you how you're sinning. And it's not that Christians don't have to obey the law. We should want to. As Americans, we're free to a point as long as we hold up our end of the social contract. Aren't we glad our Savior our Savior came and he said, I love you enough to set aside that contract. All you have to do is love me back. But the contract still exists, and you should follow it. So today, if, if you've not established that relationship of freedom, please do so. Please acknowledge it. So that the one sacrifice for true freedom wasn't in vain. Because he wants to love you. God wants to be reunited with you. All those men and women that died for this country that we honor this weekend, this three-day weekend, they died so that you could have the freedom to come into this thin place and receive this word without the fear of oppression or getting stopped at umpteen checkpoints between here and yon. There's places in the world that don't have that freedom. So please honor them. Please acknowledge them. God bless. Jerusalem. God bless Israel, the people that brought forth a Savior. God bless the world. God bless my enemies. God bless the nation. God bless the nation's enemies. Thank you, Father, for your son. And thank you on behalf of this nation for the full quiver. Amen. In this church this Friday night. This You don't want to miss this encounter. God has something great in store for you, so be there. We do a few of these a year. It's just a wonderful night of praise, worship, and prayer. Uh, We just really invite you to be here and experience that with us. Remember, this Friday, 7 p.m.